All right. Hope you're having a good Monday afternoon. It's 438. Thanks for tuning in to NL News Day. Now we got the uh, COVID-19 update in the province of BC a little over an hour ago. More than 700 new cases of COVID-19 over the weekend. When talking about three days of data, though, that is a positive trend. Active case counts down nearly 500 from Friday to below 3,000. Hospitalizations down from Friday. Immunizations are up. Almost 70% of adults have at least one dose and more than 66% of everyone aged 12 and up now have a first dose for a little breakdown of today's COVID-19 update. Pleased to welcome back to the show political journalist for Global TV, uh, Keith Baldry. Keith, how you doing here this afternoon? Great to be here, Jeff. Thanks, as always, for, for taking the time. Now, um, I guess I'll just start with the immunization rates. Obviously, that's kind of where we've been leading with things now when it comes to these COVID-19 updates. Almost 70% of all adults in the province have at least one dose. I mean, this is almost a little bit ahead of schedule compared to where we were just a couple of weeks ago, isn't it? It is, and in fact, we're already about to uh, meet the the criteria that came with the restart plan, which we needed a certain level of vaccination before we could go to the next step, you know, step two and three. We're already there in terms of uh, st- uh, step two. We wanted to get to 65% by June 15th, but as you just mentioned, we're already exceeded that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to get to 70% by, Ju- by July 1st. We will definitely do that. We're, we're right now doing about 1% uh, a day increase. Now, that's going to start shrinking a bit because... Uh, starting in about a week or so, the amount of second doses are going to really start ramping up because we didn't, uh, you know, the second dose is based uh, for a long time was based on 16 weeks. Then it was a 13 week interval. Now it's an eight week interval. So you go back, you know, two months and, um, you know, back when we were doing 30,000 vaccinations a day, in recent weeks, we were at 50, 60,000 doses a day. So two months after that day, we would have to administer the same amount of second dose. Uh, but our vaccine supply won't necessarily increase. We don't know that. So uh, increasingly, a larger proportion of the vaccine supply will be uh, going to the second dose, and that will slow the first dose rollout just a little bit. How much? But good news. Yeah, definitely good news for sure. I was going to just say how much of the, the second dose um, progress that we will start to see is going to be really based off the ability to mix and match. I understand we're going to be hearing a little bit more about this moving forward. I think Manitoba announced that they're, you know, mixing uh, mRNA and viral vector vaccines now for their second doses. What, what's the latest here? Do we have any more information yeah. on that? Yeah, Dr. Henry hinted about it today, sort of indicating we are going to mix and match. Uh, we're going to get some more data and some studies on Thursday to allow people to make an informed choice. And we're really talking about a small number of people, of which I'm one. I'm one of the people who got AstraZeneca. Most people in BC, about 70, 75% got Pfizer, and because that's been our most plentiful um, vaccine supply, and they'll continue to get Pfizer as their second dose. The people who will have a, a decision to make of mixing and matching are relatively small in number, but uh, you know about a half a million um, half a million people got Moderna as a first dose, and about 275,000 got um, got uh, AstraZeneca. So uh, it's going to be interesting what those people who got Moderna and AstraZeneca decide to do because there's less doses of, um, I think we've had 583,000 doses of, of Moderna for a first dose. We, we stopped giving first doses of AstraZeneca, but we're continuing with Moderna. So if there's less Moderna and it comes at your two, your eight-week point, you will likely be allowed if, um, to ask for Pfizer if that's what's mm-hmm. available to you. AstraZeneca, because it's a different vaccine, it's not a messenger RNA, it's a different type, that's where there's a little more 
controversy or uncertainty. Can you mix AstraZeneca with other vaccines? But other health authorities are starting to recommend that. And and is Moderna going to be primarily uh, kind of held off for, you know, used specifically for like First Nation communities, those who sort of had Moderna as the, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, the vaccine of yep. choice for their mass vaccine clinics? Yeah, so vaccine, you're right. In January and February, Moderna largely went to uh, indigenous communities and remote communities because Pfizer back then, well, still remains a very difficult vaccine to transport, particularly over uh, rocky roads, for mm-hmm. example, in, in much of the north. And literally talking to immunologists who say that the vials would literally break apart oh, wow. as, as they drove over potholes. And so that was very problematic for Pfizer. That's not the case with Moderna. So Moderna will mostly go to the people who, again, who were the target audience uh, early on in the, uh, in the, the rollout campaign. Um, I want to ask, because we're about to see the calendar flip over to June. That's when a lot of you know high schools are looking to start having those graduation ceremonies. I'm, I'm curious if you've heard any more on, on what we might see in terms of the ability to have some of those. I mean, how much is it tied to vaccines? Is there any hope for you know typical uh, com, um, uh, graduation ceremonies to be held at all this upcoming summer? Or yeah. where are we at there? Yeah, Dr. Henry has actually asked about that today by Richard Zussman, my colleague at Global. Um, and she said, yeah, yeah, they are working with school uh, officials to ensure some sort of grad ceremonies can take place this year. Um, but largely, uh, for the most part, outdoor ceremonies and probably with smaller crowds, but bigger crowds, than what we, bigger events than what we saw last year. Because, of course, most grads or many grads are coming at the end of June and we're into phase, into step three in July. Literally, just a few days afterwards. Um, so the, the, there's increased capacity indoor and outdoor gatherings in July with bigger crowds and presumably graduation ceremonies would fit within that. So active work is being done on that very question, but they haven't resolved all issues yet. But it sounds like in as many instances as possible, there are going to be some some kind of grad ceremonies, perhaps divided into, to, you know, sections or groups, mm-hmm. but certainly not what we saw last year, which was nothing. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully we'll see ability to have some kind of ceremonies because I know it's a big milestone that a lot of people want to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to ask, I know I'm kind of all over the map and questions here for you, but variants of concern, we haven't heard as much talk about variants of concern. I know a few, maybe a month ago, it was sort of just when we see new cases, just kind of assume that they are probably a UK variant or one of the other variants of concern. But I know there has been some talk now about the efficacy of vaccinations as it relates to new, new variants. So where are we at in terms of concern? There? Should people be worried about that? Yeah, it's a little, it's interesting. I talked to Minister Dix about this today. It remains a source of concern, but nothing overly concerning yet. Now, if you go to the Center for Disease Control website, they are now publishing weekly reports on variants of concern. There are nine variants of interest. There's also, there's about Oh, 15 variants out there. I think nine are of interest. They're not deemed to be concerning, but they are a slightly different mutation than COVID-19. But there are four variants of concern, and really there's only three. The South Africa one, uh, first time in South Africa, has not really uh, increased at all in number for months. But the... UK variant, the uh, B117, is now more than 8,000 detected cases, and there's far more cases than mm-hmm. that that have been detected. The P1, first originated in Brazil, is starting to catch up. 
to the um, UK one, uh, now more than 5,000 cases detected. And then the biggest increase, I actually did a story on this last week, in a percentage basis from week to week, the biggest increase is coming from the B16172, which is the one first associated with India. That is the, the uh, variant that's racing through the UK right now, is, is causing them to reconsider their June 21st mm-hmm. uh, reopening next stage because about almost 50% of the cases right now in the UK are of the V1672 variant. And that's considered more transmissible and harder to contain. And the science is still early on definitive analysis on the efficacy of vaccines. It's thought you do get protection, but not entirely sure whether it's as much protection as you would get versus other variants. So very low numbers still of uh, of the Indian variant here, but uh, it could get out of, you know, out of control very quickly. But so far, we haven't. In fact, the Wall Street Journal did a piece a couple of weeks ago on BC's ability to contain the P1 variant. It was started that big Whistler outbreak, you recall, mm-hmm. about a month and a half yep. ago, and it got its way into Vancouver, and that was where all the cases were coming up were, were P1 variants, and we seem to get that one under control. So I think we've got the variants of control under more control than a lot of other jurisdictions. So overall, you probably feel the same way as I do right now, uh, a real positive step in the right direction here. Uh, you know, Jeff, I spend every day for the last 15 months looking at the case numbers, breaking it down by region, breaking it down by city as much as possible, the hospitalizations, the ICUs, and I have to say everything is pointing towards good news right now. We're getting the, the you know, our daily numbers are 277, I think I just worked it out, that's down almost 1,000 since the peak in early April, and, and everything has been going down since early April. Um, now, perhaps something weird happens and they start to go up again, but there's no reason to think that's going to happen. This restart plan is based on the on a couple of things. One, that with more and more people vaccinated, there's less transmission, which means less hospitalizations, less ICUs, and again, we're just going to be in a healthier spot. So I think uh, the summer is shaping up to be a, a pretty fun summer. Yeah, looking forward to it. As always, Keith, thanks so much for this. You always do some, some great work following this story, and I always appreciate your insights. So thanks for the time today. My pleasure. Take care. Awesome stuff. That's Keith Baldry right there, of course, political journalist with Global British Columbia, always providing some good information on on what's going on with the latest of COVID-19 here in B.C. I don't know if there's anyone in the province that pays quite as much attention as Keith does to what's going on, not only here, but across the country and across the world. And you hear him cross-referencing a whole bunch of different pieces and all the interviews that he collects throughout the course of the day. And uh, I always appreciate the fact that he is able to come on here with me and, and provide a little bit of insight that he has that I may not be be able to get otherwise. So my thanks to Keith for coming on and, and providing some some good breakdown of, of today's newser and, and where we are sort of in the path forward to getting out of this COVID-19 situation. I'll, uh, I'll kind of just let his final comment there speak for itself. It looks like we're shaping up to have a pretty darn good summer. So that's, uh, that's where I'll leave it because... I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to be looking negatively here. We're, we're all, all signs are pointing up. So let's continue to go that way. Register to get your vaccine so we can continue to uh, see those numbers climb because we got to hit those targets if we're going to get to the restart plan the way it has been laid out. June 15th, you heard Keith say it, we're basically already in line um, to, to hit those numbers. We actually have already hit those numbers in terms of the June 15th opening things back up to recreational travel across the province. We got enough first doses in arms to reach the, that date. So June 15th, 
can pretty much write that in your calendar as being able to start traveling across the province. Maybe maybe hold off, you know, put down in pen, but you can write it in pencil, that's for sure. And even July 1st, we should be able to do the same thing there. It's that September 7th date that is probably going to be a little bit fuzzy for quite some time. Uh, but these first step two... June 15th, step three, July 1st. I'm feeling pretty confident we're going to hit our targets and be in a good spot to open things back up. And I know we all want to find ourselves in that spot once those dates arrive.